Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top Producing Zone podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Jin. And I'm Shane Carvalho. So Shane and I are incredibly honored today to be joined by Michael Valdez. Michael is the Chief Growth Officer for EXP Realty, the only Latino Chief Growth Officer of a publicly traded real estate company in the country, which is an incredible feat. Michael has helped EXP find tremendous growth growing globally as he has led a team that's opened 21 countries in 22 months. And the craziest thing about that is he didn't have to ever get on a plane to do it. Uh, Michael brings just a wealth of knowledge on global expansion and growth for EXP, having been a real estate agent himself, but also combining that with his years of experience in global real estate and finance. Uh, one of the coolest things I found as I was learning more about Michael is he also gives back to other businesses and communities, being the chair of Area Global Advisory Board, chief executive officer of EXP Latino, former board member of Pink and Blue for Two, which is an organization started by Olivia Newton-John to promote breast and prostate cancer awareness. And those are just a couple of the different board and advisory positions that he's been involved in. And finally, Michael is the host of the new Michael Valdez Global Podcast, where he discusses a variety of topics from real estate investing to personal branding, meditation, and also stories from just some of the most inspiring and positive energy people that he knows in the business. So Michael, we are so thrilled to have you on with us today. So I think the interview is over, Michael. You basically gave everything I got to give. So thanks for having me. I'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs> Michael, uh, yeah, Michael, uh, Jen is, is, well, now I got two Michaels. Today, I know, we're going to have yeah. to figure this out. We got a Michael and a, we got two Michaels and a Shane. Yeah, but no, Michael, Michael, Jen actually is, has created introductions. That's why he always does the introduction. He's way better than me. But yeah, welcome, Michael. We're super excited to have you here. Thank you, guys. Pleasure to be well, here with you. And Michael, like, I mean, just a tremendous amount of like accomplishments in your career so far. Um, I want to, we're going to hone in on that in this episode today. And where I want to start off is just kind of your experience as chief growth officer for EXP. You know, I let off the introduction by saying, you helped the company open up 21 countries in 22 months um, without getting on a plane. I mean, that's a pretty epic statement to make right there. So like, how were you able to accomplish that? And what do you think set you up for? So, team up for success? I, so first of all, thank you for the opportunity to speak with you guys. Um, you know, this was an incredible accomplishment, but it was really the model that allowed us to do this. So I joined in May of 2020. So I joined right at the start of the pandemic. And there was nothing going on. There was no travel. People were dying to communicate. Uh, EXP World was an incredible metaverse platform by which everyone was still communicating. We were still conducting business. Real estate was one of those industries that remained as a critical part of our economy to continue operating. So we needed ways to communicate. Most offices were closed. And so we were able to do that as a virtual company. And that was one of the greatest advantages that I think we had as a company during the pandemic. And I remember when I first joined, I joined as president of EXP Global and about a year ago was promoted to chief growth officer for the entire company. But as the focus was on global at first, I came from a background of that. So I was at Realogy for 15 years. And I was the senior vice president of Realogy that did the global expansion for all six Realogy brands, which included uh, Sotheby's, Cobalt Banker, Century 21, ERA, Better Homes and Garden, and Corcoran. So my team and I there opened over 70 countries. And by the time I left Realogy, I was overseeing 113 countries across all six brands. And that was roughly about 300,000 agents. But when I met Glenn Sanford and understood what the EXP model was, I really understood that this truly was a disruptor in our industry and really thought, my gosh, if we could really get this done on a global scale, it's a, it's a no brainer. And so the more I really sort of dug deep into what this model was, the more I was excited about it. And during the pandemic was the perfect time to come in and try to do this and accomplish this. So before I joined, EXP was in the UK, Australia and Canada. And it took the company eight years to open up those three countries. We opened up the next five countries in two months. So from October, late October to December, early December, we opened up the first five countries in 2020. And then the following year, we opened up an additional nine. And then we uh, continued from there. And, and yes, we did open up 21 countries in 22 months. 
which was an amazing feat, but it was because this model was remote, but there was a lot of things that we needed to do. We needed to have a strong team around. We needed to come in and imagine we were building a company in every single country in which we operated. So we were building the infrastructure from scratch. We're not a franchise, so we own everything that we build. So we had to go in and create the infrastructure, create the corporation, create the back office, do the banking, do the finance, do the accounting, hire a small team. And literally we were doing that every single month in every single country. So there was a lot of hands in this and it was an incredible, incredible testament to what this model is. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, Michael, that like I moved during COVID and the reason that I finally said yes to EXP was because here in California, we're not allowed to go work in our office because we're not supposed to be in the building. That's right. I mean, me and my two assistants were in our small little private office in the building. Broker said, uh-uh, and we're not breaking the law. And that like sealed the deal for me. So I could see yeah. how you leverage that globally. Yeah, that... Oh my gosh. And I'm glad it happened because I lagged on coming over. They worked on me for a couple of years. Yeah. I'm thankful actually that, that, yeah, that was a difference maker. But uh, yeah, I was, I appreciate you sharing that. And I was also going to, you know, mention or kind of what we we're going to go on to was, well, unless Michael, did you have something you wanted to address there? Well, I think, I think part of it, Michael, I'm, I'm kind of curious because, you know, like to be able to expand that quickly into so many different places all at once, like there had to be really like a, a plan kind of put into place. I think part of it is like the timing with the pandemic, like the, the value proposition that eXp has being remote. And then the timing with the pandemic really helped it to accelerate. But like when you guys are thinking about growing and expanding, like how far out are you looking and what are some of the things that you're like looking at and looking into? So there's, there's no checklist. There's no magic number yeah. of anything, right? So sure. it's yeah. more, you're, yeah. you're, think of it as the fact that we're, we, we grew when I first come When I first came over, we were growing a global brand and I looked at it in that manner. So think of it as though you were almost doing a, a, a shopping mall and you want to get your anchor tenants first. So one of the, one of the first countries that we opened was India, Mexico, Brazil, large masses of, of land with a lot of agents in it. And so those were our anchor presence. You know, there's over a million agents in Mexico. There's over two million agents in India. And when you start thinking about it in that manner, you wanted to create the brand and enough people to talk about it. By the time we got to country yep. six, we didn't have to explain who EXP was anymore. Everyone knew. By the time we got to Italy, Italy was like, oh my God, are you guys really opening here? And so the story shifts at some point where you literally create a global brand Because now when we, when I first joined, we were at 23,000 agents in 2020. Uh, and now we're just shy of 90,000 agents by just a few hundred agents. And so when you start looking at that trajectory of growth in such a short period of time, in just over three years, that's never happened in our industry before. So when you start looking at this as the fastest growing real estate company in our industry and the largest independent in the world, Those are two things that, you know, you gain momentum with as you continue that trajectory. So each country in, in theory gets easier by reputation, but every single one of them has their own singular challenges because real estate is so different in every single country. It's practiced really differently. Yeah. We're a different model. In, in some cases, we're not, uh, our model doesn't work in some cases. Um, because when you have a franchise model, all you need is somebody to write you a big check and the local problems are their local problems. And so here, because we carry all the responsibility of it, then we have to be very diligent about the countries in which we enter and make sure that part of that is, is, is also the number of agents that are there, the, the competitors that are there. We don't want to be the first to market. We don't want to create the market. We want to be able to bring the best model in the market. But if there's no other large agencies there, we're not going to enter. It's not, it doesn't make sense for us. It'll be very costly to, to teach a, a standardized real estate industry to uh, A, agents and B, consumers. So we want to be at some place where we have healthy competition already and come in and show what an EXP model can do in that particular market. 
I never thought about that. That makes a lot of sense. And I mean, despite, you know, all the success that you have had, you know, looking back at the last 22 months or, you know, during the international growth, are there any things like looking back that you think you could have done different or done better? Sure. Slow it down a bit. Uh, I think that because of our <laughs> aggressiveness of going out there and creating this brand, we were on a rocket ship and literally we were building the rocket ship midair. And so there are things where if you had more time, you could have, you know, thought about what could have been done differently. What I have seen is that leadership is always, always, always the formula for success. So our very first country that we opened, for example, was South Africa. And in South Africa, we had an amazing leader that we still have. And in uh, the two and a half plus years, well, three years now, that we've been open in South Africa, there's 5,000 estate agencies in South Africa. So when we first opened, we were number 5,000 because we had nobody. And right now we're number yeah. seven. And so we have wow. over wow. 1,100 agents in South Africa that are incredibly productive and South Africa is our fourth highest producing country. Interesting. I had no idea. See, I, I had the fortune of meeting the broker from South Africa a couple of years ago at EXPCon. And um, it was just awesome. I mean, it's just, it's kind of hard to picture because I travel and we're from Portugal. And so yeah. family in Portugal, I spend time in different places. But, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. It's just, I guess, and I understand because I have, you know, realtors in Portugal and such, but I, I don't know. I just, it's interesting to learn about real estate in other countries. It's just, it's so different. Everything and uh, just right. getting the perspective. Yeah. It's so different. It's so, it's so, and you must, I mean, you must thrive on that. Like you must absolutely love the whole international thing. Cause I mean, it, it takes like, like you have to love and be passionate to be successful and with the success and the speed that you've taken, like you got to love it. I mean, do you speak any other languages by chance? I speak Spanish and Italian. I understand Portuguese. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's it's my first language actually yeah. and spanish is my third so i speak those three okay. but yeah it's those when you got italian you got the italian and the spanish we can kind of make it work it, a lot it, of hand exactly. stuff with the older yeah. members we'll figure it out <laughs> <laughs> right that's awesome that's awesome no i'd love to learn italian it's a beautiful language as well it is i mean for me i don't i mean i, I speak mandarin so i don't know if i'm going to be able to plug in on any of those conversations <laughs> usually it's a very different language um <laughs> But I, so, I mean, I guess, I don't know if you're allowed to preview this, Michael, but like, so what, what, what's next for, for you guys as you're looking to continue to grow EXP? Like what, what's so top of mind? So specifically, we can't mention because it's considered yeah. insider information as a publicly yeah. traded company. But, you know, I, again, going back to that shopping mall example, the idea of coming in and uh, I apologize, I'm having workers in my house and I just heard them oh, no over again. Uh, so it's the idea of creating a, a shopping mall effect where you want to have those anchor tenants. And when you do, you want to make sure that the, the shoppers that are coming in are going to complement any other store they go into, right? So if I'm starting with an anchor tenant of, of, of like a, an Apple store, I want to make sure that if I put a Nike store in there, I've got the same owners coming, the same uh, the same shoppers going into both, right? So for me, it's it's an area of what makes sense with the EXP consumer that's coming in now on a global scale. That's why we started EXP Luxury, which is going really, really well. We've got over a thousand agents now in EXP Luxury. We're about to expand it globally. We announced it in Canada. <laughs> What's that? There's one on this call. He raised his I love hand. It. I love <laughs> it. And that's a program that's gone really, really well. I think that's something that's going to really do extremely well internationally. And it's just going to be exciting to see where things like that are going. So, you know, you, Michael, you mentioned uh, Mandarin. I would love to be in, in, in further in Asia, especially in China. Uh, China is one of those countries. I would love that too. Yeah. China is one of those. I've opened many brands in China. It's an incredible market. But here's the nuance, right? Because we're not a franchise. Um, we are a U.S.-based company. So we actually can't enter China as a U.S.-based company. However, we, I already had thought of this early on, which is why we opened up Hong Kong first. 
And so we can open China as a, as a subsidiary of our Hong Kong operations, which is how we would enter the country. But the other part of it is that because of the firewall that exists, we would have to put a server in country. But also in the due diligence that we've had, China is the only country in the world that doesn't allow for cross-border revenue share. So we would actually have to come up with a new model altogether for China. Otherwise, we'd already be there. Um, I love the market. Um, it's just a little complicated when we start thinking about our model being different as one independent real estate company. So that's actually a great example of where we do differ. No, that that is that is an incredible example. But I think it's also it, it's I, I love the strategic thinking behind that. You talk about the anchor points. It's like yeah. sometimes when you can't solve the problem directly, what are the ancillary areas that you can go think about and approach to be able to, you know, eventually make your way into your overall target? And I think that's, that's right. the Hong Kong example you gave was just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about EXP luxury, and it sounds like that's one of the great opportunities like for EXP Realty in the coming few years. Like, What are some other big opportunities and also big challenges that you kind of see for the company going forward? So listen, as you, as you grow, you get new, new challenges, if you will, right? So um, yeah. you know, we will be crossing the, the 100,000 mark in the next year or so. And then when you get over that six-figure agent count, there's very few companies that have ever reached that. And there's no singular company being non-franchised that has ever reached that. So there's no independent company that's ever reached the status that we've reached now um, as far as one company with agent count numbers. So we continue to grow. And as we continue to grow, there's new challenges that come in, right? So challenges as far as leadership in different countries as you expand. There's things like, uh, like currency fluctuations, um, you know, sort of exposure to various uh, currencies when your business is more dependent in other countries. However, we also sort of look at that's where our greatest growth lies. So when you start thinking about the fact that in the US there's, you know, a million and a half realtors, you know, you could find that in one country outside of the US. So as we continue to build, our focus is that we will eventually have more agents outside of the US than inside of the US. It's just simply a math equation. So we will be doing that as we continue to grow. And as we do that, you'll have, you know, issues of language, of currency, of taxation of repatriation of cash, of the fact that we're, you know, a publicly traded company, different regulatory issues. Um, so there's a slew of things that we look at as we go into different countries and as we continue to grow. Um, there is also that sense where we found the greatest, greatest success is where people truly embrace what the EXP model has done for other people, right? When you start thinking about the things that you cannot put on a balance sheet, the things that don't fit on a PL. When you start talking about the emotional quotient of what this model has done to change people's lives, and that gets yeah. translated into other countries and other languages and other experiences and other cultures, that's when it's a complete win. And I and I asked that question. I appreciate you sharing that because you know, we, for the listeners of our podcast, obviously EXP is at a completely different scale for, you know, real estate agents who are trying to run their own production business, but there are still lessons to be learned there. And I think 100%. you've hit on a lot of those things. One is, you know, as you continue to grow and scale your business, you might be growing out your teams and you really need those champions, for lack of a better term, that believe in your, your vision, your mission, what it is you're doing and going out and um, and spreading the message and spreading the word. So naturally you have that accelerated network growth effect. For a team, for a team leader, you know, the word comes back to culture, you know, whether it's the EXP yeah. culture or the culture that someone is building in a team themselves and they're growing. How do your team members have the, how, how do you embrace the culture that you've built as a solopreneur agent that needed to grow into a team because the business got so big. And now the culture that you developed within your, your own business etiquette and what consumers were expecting of you, now as you start expanding yeah. into a team and you've got 20, 30, 100 members of your team, how do they ensure that the culture that you built as a singular agent 
gets out there as on a consumer level. So it's a it's it's a very analogous uh, type of, of of issue and challenge that we face us as a large organization of almost ninety thousand agents and in twenty four countries or someone who started their own team and has twenty agents on their team and are trying to expand from one neighborhood to the next four. Yeah, well, it's interesting because um, you know as I've grown my organization, I mean, like I've been in the business for this is going to be my twenty fourth year. And, um, you know, I'm old school, like I'm really big on customer service, customer journey and everything else. And you know, there's a lot of agents like myself that are kind of control freaks at a certain point. You know, you're kind of afraid to, you know, because you really got to teach because you grow, right? You can't no longer be the person and control everything. And um, I can only imagine on the scale of 90,000, some of the fear and panic at times, like Glenn or you or I mean, you guys have to be sometimes worried. Like, for instance, when I came on board, that's at the time when they thought we were just recruiters. They didn't when they saw the stats, hey, these these people can sell, you know, the world was blown away. And that was a huge step. I was already here when that happened. Yeah. That was a huge step for people. I, I think the other thing too, when creating this mentorship and guiding people on their first three transactions, I feel like I feel like since I've been here, you guys have made so many great improvements that trickle down and are actually making an impact. Like you're able to just from corporate, you're able to actually control the whole 90,000 agents just by some of this stuff that you've done. And I think it's just brilliant. And I wanted to share that because like I freak out about my 42 people. And it's like, you're like, okay, here, hold my beer. Watch me handle 90,000. So, I mean, I look up to you for that because I, I would have lost all my hair by now. <laughs> Thank you for that, Shane. But, you know, there's the, I think the difference with us is Glenn, myself, Leo Pareja, who, who I like, you know, run side by side with as a chief strategy officer. The three of us were all agents. And you don't have that in any other real estate company where you have the two highest C-level execs and, and your CEO and founder that were all agents, right? So we understand the viewpoint of what all of you go through every single day. And that's the lens by which we make decisions. And so you use, you use the word um, control, but we don't control agents. We serve agents. And so yeah, I mean. when, you, when you sort of come from a lens of serving someone, it's when you actually are able to have the greatest results, right? And I think the other part of that is, you know, with, with my team, I don't even know how many direct reports I have, but there are a lot. And um, I don't know how to micromanage. I know how to hire good people and trust in the plan that we, that we work on together. And then I'm there as a coach for everyone to reach the goal that we all have as an aligned goal with, again, the lens of sort of treating the agents and making EXP the most agent-centric company on the planet. Yeah, I I love that. And the part about saying how you were all agents, you know, it makes a huge difference. I mean, I talk about that still being an active producer. I talked about leading by example, being in the market. Um, there's all these gurus and coaches now that are not in the business anymore, or maybe never really produced at a high level, but they became these trainers. And then also just earlier, the control thing probably wasn't the right word because I'm all about serving as well. But it was more just like, I don't know what the right word is, but it's like, you're able to have that effect, like you're able to create that effect. And I like that there's not micromanaging. That's why I, I can't stand corporate. Yeah. And I mean, no offense, because I did my time at Century 21. I know you're with Realogy. Yeah. I did my Century 21 from 2013 to 15. And I loved a lot of the people I was with. Even our, our CEO at the time became friends, avid fishermen like myself. Um, you know, just great, great experience. And um, in fact, one quick thing I want to throw in, there's always my claim to fame. Michael's going to laugh at me. But in 2014, globally, I was number one in outbound referrals. I closed 41 outbound referrals in, in 2014. That was my claim to fame while I was at Century 21. Love it. But uh, I just wanted to share that, you know, you being there with Realogy and then being here, you can clearly see the difference. I'm an entrepreneur. This company really pushes entrepreneurship. And that's why I'm here. And I absolutely love it because I'm, I'm not good at 
the corporate stack. Like, look, you're here today with us. Are you kidding? I would have to go through like five freaking people to even get your name like 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And you actually do bring up a good point because there are no gatekeepers here. Anyone can reach, you could go reach Glenn. You know, you can jump into, we've got, we've got our, our, our workplace chat on our phone, all 90,000 right. agents and employees, anyone who's got an EXP address, their phone number is there. You can call them. You can actually sort of get, there are no gatekeepers at all. Right. At all. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like, you know, you know, he went through my assistant to get on my calendar, but it's sort of like, cause I don't touch my calendar. I travel 200 days a year and I don't even know where I am any, any morning. So it's, uh, so I don't, it's, it's a deal we have. I don't touch my calendar and then I show up where I'm supposed to. <laughs> that's awesome yeah, i try to be good i try to be good like that but yeah you're doing it on a much higher level <laughs> thanks for joining us for today's episode now if you're watching on youtube or streaming this on your podcast platform if you could do us a favor leave a comment down below and let us know where you're listening or watching the show from today it greatly helps with the algorithm and helps us get reach out to more people who need or want to hear what we have to say we greatly appreciate it and now back to the show. Michael, there's something you mentioned earlier when you were talking about your team um, that I want to kind of hone in on a little bit. You said you you want to make sure you hire the right people. And when you said that, it actually got me thinking. We were talking with an agent broker yesterday who's actually based down in LA. She's made the decision to join EXP. So awesome. it, that's an awesome thing. But she was sharing, you know, about kind of, you know, she had to step away from the team production concept because she wasn't bringing on the right people and they weren't aligned with you know, they weren't aligned in terms of values and what they thought their goals are. So, you know, maybe talk about that a little bit. What are some of the key things you look for when it comes to hiring and bring on the right people to your team? So, you know, I think I think it's also it's a continuation, right? Because you can hire somebody, somebody can have a great resume and they're just the wrong fit culturally for yeah. the rest of your team. Right. And so um, some of the some of the key things is truly alignment. And people will actually figure that out on their own. And some will elect to sort of like self-remove themselves if they don't feel that cultural fit. But it is that sense, you know, I, I will actually go and make sure that we have a lot of the team members come into a lot of the, the executive meetings that we have because I want them to know what's going on on, on their level and what their contribution means to that agent. And so that's very important when, when we, we get as many of our team members over to EXPCon and some of the, our larger events, because yeah. that's the first time that they probably have seen the agent and whether whatever they're doing in, in, in the back office, whether they're in our PR department, marketing, onboarding, whatever it is, and they just don't have the day-to-day -day with the agents, when they actually truly meet them face-to-face, -face, hear the stories, hear the stories from the stage, really sort of get the, the, the ability to understand what their contribution is doing on the greater good, it changes their shift in thinking. So when you start thinking about it from a team's perspective, sometimes we have to take responsibility also in our messaging, right? Because if our messaging isn't clear to our team members, we shouldn't expect the team members to be psychic and say, You're, they just don't get my culture. Well, have you eloquently described what your culture is, right. not by words, but also by actions? And let somebody know, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like if, if you guys have, have children, it's easier for a child to mimic behavior, right? So it's the exact same thing. If you actually go in and have a, a, a sense of, who you are and you're just being what your culture is as opposed to explaining it. If you have to explain it, it's not cultural. No, ex exactly. I, and I love that because literally uh, yesterday with, with this agent when we were on, she had questions about like, well, how am I going to be able to, like, I want to make sure I get the support necessary. And I was just like, okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me screen share with you because I'm going to show you not just that we talk the talk, but to your point, we walk the walk, right? And so I pulled up my screen and I said, this is, this is what we can offer you. Like, here are the programs that we use. Like I have a VA in the Philippines. Like this is what I use to communicate with her. This is how the agents use this system to get their videos edited, to get their branding redone as they're transferring over to eXp. 
afterwards, she was like, wow, I don't, she had three pages of questions after the, after I showed her like what we do, she was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I'm she got the culture up front. She didn't have to ask her questions. And uh, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you, Michael, no, but what I was going to no. say too, is I was laughing because when you're talking about, you know, building the culture and communicating, like I, and you probably know from some of the guys in my group, we all talk fast, right? Mike, Connor, like, I don't know, Michael, but you've probably, you know, been around. So we all talk really fast. Well, my poor, what's that? I'm born and raised in New York. I'm right there with you. Okay, God. So, you know, but so my poor operations manager, right? So I'm like always trying to convey stuff to her and she texted me like even earlier. She's like, bro, <laughs> like she's just like, and I'm thinking I'm glad that they're trying to mimic more than trying to like listen because I'd be horrible at saying it because I say it so fast that there's a period at the end of the sentence and they're still wondering what I said first. So um, I totally agree with that. But no, I just, I was just laughing because I was thinking the poor people in my organization, as much as they love what we do and as much as everybody's passionate and we've been successful together, I feel bad sometimes because um, like in my head, it's so clear, right? But I'm in a hurry. Yeah. So I was like, here, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So bad. I'm trying to be better about that. You know, back to that question of that agent that was saying, you know, what kind of support am I going to receive? I think you actually shift the question back and sort of say, you know, okay. we're giving you the keys to build your legacy. Who's responsible for your mm -hmm. own legacy? Right. And so if you're if, yeah. if the answer is you and you're responsible for your legacy, wouldn't you find the necessary steps that you would need to in order to achieve it? And so if somebody is saying, what sort of support am I going to get? Well, tell me what you're needing in order to reach your legacy and I'll support you in that. As opposed to just going through a checklist of things, right? Because it may not be her checklist. You could probably have yeah. gone through three pages of everything you're offering, which could be off the roof, right? Right, and right. she's sort of like saying, you know, I, I just want to have, you know, like, like, you know, seven and to seven to eight o'clock free so that I can put my kid down to sleep. Right. And so they're like, yeah. why didn't you say that? Right. And, yeah. and so yeah. like, so it's like, what does that mean to you? Right. It's yeah. always like the, the question of if you're, if I'm serving you to give you the tools to build your legacy, yep. what does that look yeah. like for you? And I absolutely I agree that. with that. And I, I, yeah. I should have, I should have given more background. With the podcast, I was just throwing out a quick yeah. example. But we were kind of in the conversation of like branding and and marketing, like when that came on. So I was gonna say too that um, Michael, what that reminds me of, especially in mentoring agents, is that kind of an analogy to that, or something that runs parallel, is that I have agents that always assume it's price or commission. Like you really need to know the true objection. So just like when they're asking you, you know, what do I need? Or I mean, or how are you going to support me? It's like you're actually trying to find out, well, what do you need? And I like how you're putting it back on them so that they don't, the blame game is gone. That's right. right. Like you're putting it on them. So now they're the ones that are choosing to either have their legacy or not. It's no longer going to be your responsibility to make sure you get them what they need. Um, when I was, yeah, and, and I love that. And uh, yeah, when I was selling, the greatest point was not price. It was terms. You needed to know where the pain point yeah. was for that seller or the yeah, buyer, right. right? And I always say, you know, the price had nothing to do with an agent. Your only job is to bring buyer and seller together. Price is determined by the market. You have nothing to do with it. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And um, and the other thing, too, I had that conversation this morning with a client. It's like sometimes everybody wants it both ways. I'm like, you get price or terms, you know, like <laughs> let's let's pick here. But, yeah, I'm a big fan, big fan of terms. Like I get away from the number a lot. But a lot of that has to do with kind of the way you're, you know, saying it, the kind of to turn it around on the other party and figure out what the root cause or figure out what it is that's, uh, you know, going on. I just bought a house in Dallas where I'm sitting right now and it was Oh nice. Yeah, it was a house that had a lot of uh a lot of action around it because they had a dramatic price reduction. And so uh I mm -hmm. came in and I said, Well, I don't like competition. So I came in and I offered full price and I figured I can always negotiate during inspection periods. And at that point, psychologically, the house is sold to the seller. 
right? You gave me full price. It's sort of like, you know, you're, you qualified, everything's great, blah, blah, blah. It's like the time to negotiate is actually every house has issues. And so you're going to go and negotiate during inspection period. And by that point, they don't want to go back into the marketplace. That was, I was actually going to ask because, uh, yeah, your sister said you were moving. I was wondering, so did you just move from New York or somewhere else? So I still have my home in New York and Miami. So this is a third home. Oh, got it. Okay. Oh, and yeah, you're lucky. The Miami, I love Miami. Miami, Fort Lauderdale, like every excuse I get, like we'll be there next year for XPCon too. Yeah, so every, uh, every, every excuse I, I can. Yeah, I go back there for, I'm good friends with those guys with Gold Bar, oh, sure. you know, with Ricky and Juan yeah. and those guys. Yeah. yeah. What's I, I love going back there anytime they have an event like, I'll be, hey, I'll, I'll be there. You know, so <laughs> that's a great place to be. That's actually one of my goals. Um, before my little surprise, little cancer battle last year, I'd been looking for a second home there just north of Miami because I love that area. And, you know, I love the ocean boats. I mean, we're from the islands. We're from the Azores off the coast of Portugal. Like, yeah, I know it well. what's not to love? Yeah, what's not to love about being, you know, on the ocean? So, you know, it's just it's great. But um, and where are you? I'm um, I'm here in uh, on the Monterey Bay. I'm in the like I live at Aptos. I'm like kind of north middle of the. Mo- Have you been out to Pebble or the Peninsula or Santa Cruz or the Bay? You've been to the Bay Area, right? Yeah, of course. I lived in San. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, then you totally know where I'm at. So just south of Santa Cruz, about five exits south, it's Aptos, and um, I'm in a pocket called Rio del Mar. So like, I'm about maybe ten houses back from the bluff here. Um, I just. I always need to be close to water, you know. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I have another. Yeah, and then um, yeah, and then I stay a lot down and um, have a part-time place with my partner down in Marina del Rey, down in the LA area. So that's also by the water. Always got to be close to the water. But I do love Dallas. So I mean, the compromise, I guess, is keeping a place in Miami and then having a place in Dallas. I like that. Yeah. This is a question because it impacts me. With I mean, and I figure you on a larger scale, but. You know, with with so much going on, like trying to balance, I mean, you're traveling 200 days a year, trying to balance the demands of work with your personal life. What are like three principles that you like live and breathe every day that help you get to where you are? Because I feel like I run myself into the ground every day. You're like on a much larger scale. I'm very structured. I always have been. So I get up really early. I get up about five in the morning and I get my workout in. And that time is really, really important for me. And then I, I have a, a time, I'm not even going to call it meditation. I have a time to pause and sort of like, and just reflect. And uh, that's how I start every day. And, you know, um, it's, there's, there's windows of time that I need because if you're, if you are, if, if you don't control your calendar, your calendar controls you. And so everything that you want to do should be in your calendar. But then there should also be periods where you need to just stop, right? Because if you've got half hour meetings blocked from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., there's no way you're going to remember at 4.30 what you did at 9 a.m. and what the notes from that meeting were. So if you don't have the time blocks in the day to reflect on what you're doing, you're not going to be effective. And so even with technology and with fireflies and all of that and the AI note taking, you still have to read the notes. So you still need to have that time to be able to say, okay, what's next? How do I move this forward? And so there's blocks in my day that are just time blocks, which is what I use that time for. You need to know how to advance things and you need to really delegate. You need to sort of have that strong team. You know, you were saying before, Shane, you and I are the same person. It's really hard to give up control. If you don't, it will actually sort of suffocate you. And so it's and it's a hard lesson. Trust me, brother, because you're the perfectionist. You want to make sure that whatever you touch is that that's going to make and give value to somebody else. And so you need to trust that those that are around you can have that as well, because then you can touch more. If you have to do everything, there's a finite number of people that you can touch because there's only 24 hours in the day. That's the only equalizer all of us have. But if you actually learn to sort of say, okay, this just came through my funnel. I can't handle everything. I'm going to give this to Michael. I'm going to give it to John. I'm going to give it to this one. I'm going to sort of like say, this has gone through. I've touched it and moved it along. Then Michael and John and whoever it is 
is going to continue that collectively now, instead of touching 10 people in a day, you've touched 100. You know, this is like, this is big, right? Because so you and I do have a lot of similarities. It's just that my structure is not as disciplined as yours. So I, I am a morning person because I think the morning thing is it's BS when people say they're not morning people. But so I get up at 530. I love to exercise. I love to work out. You know, there's been points in my career, my life where it's I'm so religious about it. And I actually love it. Like a lot of people hate it. I love it. I compromise it so much. Like the last year after my health issues and coming back and everything else, like I don't have an excuse. I have a great gym. I have a detached garage. I'm into a man cave gym. It's like it's nicer than most gyms. Like and I have everything I want there. Boxing gym, two couple Pelotons. I got weights, like more weights than some of the gym. I mean, it's like everything. And, you know, like I, I want to hear this from you, because if you're that structured and you can do this, like how do you not ever compromise that time? You can't. Because the effect that you're doing, we talked about legacy before, the effect right. that you're doing, it, 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 it's, you know, you have to continue on that routine, especially, God bless you, going through that. I mean, I had a cancer scare when I was in my 20s. And uh, I was diagnosed with colon cancer when I was 25. And so, wow. um, so I'm, I'm 57 now. And so going through that is, is something where, you know, you... You're not supposed to be tested with your mortality in your 20s. Well, yeah, especially in your 20s. I'm right. in my 40s and mine was renal cancer. But yeah, I can only imagine your 20s. Wow. So when you start looking at that and you start realizing that, you know, every, every day truly is a gift. And if, it's, if you start going through that, you know, we just, uh, um, we just lost uh, Rick Jiha, who was a really strong part of our that, family. I love that guy. I saw him on Thursday. Exactly. Not to cut you off, but his last words to me was, hey, it's good to see you, brother. Keep sharing your message. Love you. And that was it. Last time I talked to him, last Thursday at the conference. And it, those were his words. Yep. And like, sort of that, what, like, what final words to get from somebody that I thought I'd see him at the next rally or I'd see him again. I, I love that guy. That really impacted me. Didn't mean to cut you off, but I had to share that because yep. that. Here's, here, here's the beautiful part in speaking about Rick. It was uh, I got the call the next day and it was the most unbelievable phone call. Right. And so. Uh, when you start thinking about, you know, Rick is an example of always leading with his heart and leading with love. Um, his celebration of life will be uh, in, in on the 29th. And they've rented out Oakland A's Stadium, which holds 60,000 people. Did that was mind blowing when I saw that. I was like, wow, he deserves it. Now, but like, about, wow. Talk about legacy. Talk about somebody that can fill out a stadium. For someone to come in and say, this man touched my life. That's impactful. That's impactful. And we just, we just all lived it in this last week with someone that we all knew and cared about. That's impact. That was, yeah, that was a hard one for me. That was a hard one. I, I lost a couple other people right before. One of them was a top century 21 agent that was really close to that passed away. And yeah, it just, you know, Two people full of so much life and so much light. And it just always seems like it's even more impactful when it's someone like that. And Rick had a structured schedule as well, right? And when you start thinking about that, and when you start thinking about, I'm not going to miss a day, you know, and especially if my gym is 10 feet away from me, Shane. And so it's like, <laughs> you know what, Michael? Honestly, like, you know, I've struggled from my very beginning. Um, my first really top-notch coach I worked with back in 2002, he really worked hard. Uh, punctuality used to be an issue. I'm decent with punctuality now, but the other one was honoring time blocks. Honestly, I've been a top producer. I've been successful. You know, I've, I've done well for the most part, but if I could improve my discipline of honoring my time blocks, I mean, sky is the limit. Like Michael Jin here, he knows we've talked about it. I honestly don't think I've even tapped half of my potential. And I'm 48 now. And that's like talking about legacy. That's disappointing. I feel like I'm failing in building my own legacy because I haven't. And it's like, you know, you've heard different gurus and different things. Like, for instance, that whole story about, you know, taking this guy out to the ocean, you know, and basically putting his head underwater and said, you know, you don't want it bad enough. And, you know, like you need to breathe. Right. Or you've, I'm sure you've heard something along those lines. And it's like, I say I want it and I'm a savage and I put in the work. 
But then I question, well, how bad do you want it? Because then you're not always hitting your workouts in the morning. You're not honoring your time blocks, you know, and it's for, for me, it's not from being, I'm not lazy at all. Like I will out hustle and I'll work anyone. It's not even that, but it's, there's something missing for me that I can never hit that. So I love that you touched on that because I imagine in, in your business and what you're doing every day, it's got to be even more critical. Like it's easy for you to get sucked in. You could sit on your phone all day, I'm sure. Look, let me tell you something. It's like, you know, the, everything around us is infinite. If you start thinking about it, air is infinite. You, money is infinite. You can make as much money as you want. The only thing that's finite is time. We all have the same 24 hours. That's the only thing. And if you actually don't honor that the most out of the others, then the others suffer, right? So if you're not, and I love the fact that you put it as honoring your time. If you don't honor your time and commit to what that is, then you can't sort of like do the maximum of your infinite potential of the money, of the health, of the wealth, of whatever it is that you're building, because it all comes from time. Time has to be the most honored on the top because then everything else does come from it. Do you know why I moved to Dallas? Because I actually realized no. that living on the East Coast and traveling as much as I was, I am now in the center of the country. I actually went to Newport two days ago on a day trip to just bring in another brokerage we're about to announce. And, um, and that was, I left here at 6 a.m. I got home at midnight. Guess what? It wasn't a two-day trip for me. I wasn't in the air for six hours. I was in the air for three. And that, if you started doing all of the math that I did of my trips, I gained a month of my life back by moving to Dallas. I believe that. And it's funny that you say that because I go to all the XP events. The XP events are on opposite ends of the country all the time. So now that you're in Dallas, are you going to bring more of these events to Dallas so we can all save a week of our lives? Listen, I'm three hours, I'm three hours from anywhere right now. So that's really what's crazy, right? I'm three hours from Mexico. Yeah, no, I'm three I, hours from New York. I'm three hours yeah. from California. So it really was a strategic move for me because of honoring time. Yeah, no, definitely. No, and, I, and I'm half joking because I don't mind traveling across the country, but it's, you know, it's interesting because, yeah, you do save time and then crossing all those time zones as well. I mean, it probably makes your schedule stay a little more routine with your body clock. Yeah, I was doing it every week and that's when it gets a little stressful. Oh, well, and, and Michael, I know we're kind of we're kind of getting up towards the top of the hour now. So I want to ask you just a couple of couple more questions. One, we kind of talked about Rick and the the legacy that he he was leaving behind the impact that he had on people's lives um i'm 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 bummed i never got a chance to to get to know him but pull back the curtain a little bit more on like michael valdez like what is the type of legacy that's important for you to leave like what is your end goal in this journey what's your why you know and and thanks for that michael it it, it really is the idea of like the, the the word legacy is really important to me and we've said it a few times in this interview and um so about three years ago i actually changed the name of my trust from my family name to herencia which in spanish means legacy and um so for me it was a constant reminder that that is the end goal to make sure that I've left this planet better than how I found it. And yeah. so that actually has several layers, which we are, don't have time in the next few minutes to get into, but yeah. it goes back to the idea of impact and, and, and service to others. That's huge. Uh, do you, now, do you have children or do you have descendants that you're kind of trying to leave a legacy for or build a legacy for? I don't, I don't have children, but I certainly have descendants. Awesome. Yeah. Also, um, I guess what we typically wrap up with, and I wish we did have more time. Maybe we'll get to uh, chat again down the line. But uh, part two. what we always, what's that? Part two. Part two. Part two, right? Yeah, I'd love to. So what we usually, you know, like to end with is because, you know, a lot of the people that listen to our podcast and one of the reasons we built this was to really help agents improve their businesses, newer agents, people getting going, people that need some uplift. I mean, we have a diverse audience, a lot of non-realtors listen as well. But really the question we 
typically end with is like, obviously you've been an agent, but hypothetically, I mean, knowing what you know today, what would be like one piece of advice you would give to somebody? Let's say someone that just joined eXp, it's a brand new agent. What are maybe a couple things that you would give as, as advice for them to launch their business? So it's probably one of the first pieces of advice that I gave 20 years ago plus, And I would still sort of say that it, it, it still holds true today. And it's, it, it's a sense of mindset. It's believing that you can. I think the statistic is that 85% of the people who enter this industry leave within the first year. Um, so if you're looking at that like behemoth of odds against you, why would you even enter? And so if you entered because you believe that you could, now if you're entering because you just saw a million dollar listing and you think you're going to make $3 million in your first year, please don't <laughs> come into the industry. It's not the reason to enter. If you're coming in and, and you're coming in truly from that sense of service to others where they're going to come in and, and, and use you as, a, as, as that trusted advisor. Now, when we say that, that is a role that has to be earned. You have to make sure that you're bringing value to someone. So there is a lot of information on the internet. There's a lot of information out there from the 20 years ago that I started this industry. And when you start thinking about that, I can find out 95% of what I need to find out as a consumer on any property. What I don't know is what's the best school around that house? Where is the best restaurant? Where's that lifestyle? that I'm going to go and experience by going into this community or this purchase that I'm going to be doing, right? And so learn what you can bring of value that isn't there before. And then you want to be that trusted advisor. So go learn everything about a neighborhood. There's now everything available to us on social media. Go do what you guys are doing, start a podcast, create something you know there's there's a great guy that 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 works in, in with us too levi lassick who three years ago never sold a house now he's selling hundreds of millions of dollars on houses because he did everything on on the internet about living in dallas he created a social network never sold a house before three years ago it's insane so become an expert and bring value in something find your niche that's great advice appreciate that yeah, no, it's, in fact, Levi, um, I met his marketing guy the other day. I'm pretty impressed because Levi pops up ads on my stream all the time. So, but uh, yeah, thanks so much for sharing all that. And, you know, Michael, it's been such a pleasure. And, you know, when you do have time in your schedule, I feel like we will have to get into a part two because uh, we we're just starting to scratch the surface. Love it. So thanks so much for being here. Yeah, Thank really you appreciate guys. it. Appreciate it.